It's a new year, guys. Dawn has approached. We're hopefully in the rearview mirror of, of COVID-19, he says um, a little sarcastically. Uh, but we've, we've moved on. We've turned the page. Things are happening. We're verified on Twitter, which is huge. So look at that. Um, of course, I am your host, Nathan Bond, and this is the Bloom Night Podcast. And alongside me today is uh, our re- recruiting gurus because Nat, the second signing period just passed. We've got Robert Stieg and Nick Simon joining us. How you guys doing? How's uh, how's the new year treating you guys so far, Nick? Um, well, I haven't. So I live up here in Rock Island, Illinois, and I haven't seen a blade of grass in probably about a month because it's just will not stop snowing. Um, getting ready for the Super Bowl this Sunday and the temperatures here, it's going to be a high of five. That's right. Five. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Just maintain. Couldn't be me. Could not be me. <laughs> Steve, how about yourself? Doing, doing what I do best. You know, that's that's kind of the motto I live by. Uh, annoying people on Twitter, uh, being a, a social media advocate for basically everything, and uh, have, having a, no reason to leave my apartment uh, for the past, like, I think, two and a half weeks. Um, my girlfriend got COVID, so I had to quarantine, too. Uh, which means I got to watch a lot of movies, uh, a lot of Broadways. I watched, uh, I watched both renditions of Cats. That's that's kind of where I was at about midway through. Um, God, I could I I don't know what to do with my life anymore. That, that now that I've seen Taylor Swift as a cat, it was the worst experience I've ever had. But um, yeah, out of quarantine now, living my best life. Uh, Super Bowl's coming up, so always got something to look forward to. Yeah, Steve. Uh... Steve, your your shit post is gonna get us every single five star recruit and a home field deal single handedly. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm impressed by how how much it's taken off from my just stupidly like saying every recruit should come to USF and how I, it's grown into a brand of itself. Uh, I'm working with Home Field to create an actual clothing line. I'm gonna make uh come to USF like banana hammocks. It's going to be great. People are actually going to believe you. <laughs> Disclaimer, it's we true. do not have any affiliation with home field yet. Yet. Yeah. yeah. So briefly with me, uh, let's see. Had a kid. Haven't slept in a little over a month. Just hanging on by a thread. Uh, I've been a ball of uh, anxiety and, and nerves for the last coming up on 14 days uh, with a Sunday impending and, and just, I don't want to be hurt again. And, uh, but I'm ready for it. So that'll be nice. Um, Binge watch Cobra Kai all three seasons in like six and a half days, just one after another fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, I highly, highly recommend it. And then uh, after that, I have a very addictive personality. So of course I, you know, went on, you know, these rabbit holes of, of karate kid stuff and watched the first two. I'm going to watch the third one here in a couple of days. And uh, it was, it was really nice. And then, you know, for, for some smut TV, I've been rewatching team mom too with uh, the wife. 
So that's been, that's been really nice, man. And God, these, like, you think your life's like, yeah, you've done some stupid things in your life. Just watch anything that Janelle from season two or from team mom two has ever done in her entire life. And you'll feel so much better about yourself. Like, man, I got a speedy ticket. Well, Janelle got arrested for heroin. All right. I mean, it's, it's been incredible. It's been an incredible rewatch. Um, and I'm very excited to watch the the later seasons and see uh, the glow up of some of the girls and how some have uh, have not fared too well. Janelle, um, it's been really bad for her. But this is what happens when USF men's and women's basketball are postponed for a month, and Nate has nothing. None seriously. of us have anything to do. <laughs> seriously, Bro, me and me and my girlfriend just uh, finished all three seasons of uh, Flavor of Love. <laughs> you remember that show? It's just oh yeah, just a never-ending train wreck. But it's <laughs> quite entertaining. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I don't know if you like. It's always funny to see the you know the memes and the gifts like when you're actually watching the TV show. So like, there's one from uh, T Mom Two where Janelle's like, "I usually smoke around this time, Mom. I'm freaking out. I have anxiety. I usually smoke around this time of day." And just like to see that like in the wild was incredible and i'm sure uh you seeing uh that that one girl spit on new york was oh fuck yeah <laughs> just as uh just as incredible oh man all right let's let's get into it because we got a bunch of stuff so we are we are now verified on twitter daily stampedes verified uh if you guys want to sponsor the podcast or just sponsor us in general you know we're verified we have that reach we have a uh on our in our Twitter handle stuff now, we have a verified only uh, mentions section. So, I mean, it's pretty big deal. We're the only uh, USF affiliate that's verified uh, on, on Twitter. So that, that should mean um, probably nothing, but it should mean something. But let's just get right into it. Let's start with uh, coaching staff changes. Um I, I think I called it. I think it was the last part of the year, the one right after the season. I said, maybe there's going to be some changes. I didn't think uh, there'd be this many changes, but some. Uh, running back coach Pat White, gone. Uh, safeties coach Wes Neighbors, gone. Corner coach Jules Montanar, gone. Uh, and, and tight end coach Joey King, gone. Um, Pat White, I don't think has landed on his feet anywhere. If I'm not too, yeah, that was one of the, um, well, not necessarily stranger stranger moves, but considering you know, I mean, it's it's Pat White, you know, like that. His name, at least for people of our generation, you know, coming up watching college football, it carries weight. So you would figure like he would stay on for at least another year. Like I still, I don't know that it, it kind of is strange, but. Instant breaks. Yeah, and Steve, I think you've harped on this quite a bit, um, either on Twitter or in Slack. Just being a coach at a position that you didn't play is just it, it's strange. You know, it's the Sean King syndrome kind of thing. I mean, he had he did the best he could with what he had. I think he was a much better quarterback coach, and uh, Pat White clearly was a better quarterbacks coach because he uh, coached two All SWAC uh, offensive players of the year. It, you know it's just strange you know sometimes it doesn't work out with staff um i i don't know why he's not on staff anymore i i mean you usually get turnover first year i didn't expect 
to be that much. Um, but we press on. Uh, West Neighbors is now at uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh, with Billy Napier. Um, they have a relationship going back quite a bit. West Neighbors, Alabama, you know, Alabama guy, and you know, you, you up and coming guy. So, make made sense. Um, I, I said, I said in our uh, Slack a couple of, uh, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago it happened. Um, you like start putting to the, you start putting the dots together. You realize that Napier's turned down basically like literally half of the SEC jobs that have come open over the past um, few years or so. I think Napier is aiming for the big job. Like he's, he's probably waiting for Saban to <clears throat> retire and he's assembling his staff and what better way to uh, kick that off than bring in, bring in what, like a three time, not a three time, but a, a heavy Alabama legacy, like West neighbors. I think his dad played at, um, Alabama, his grandfather, like, got recruited by Howard Snellenberger, I was reading, when he was a coach, when he was an assistant coach at Alabama. So you just start to connect those dots and realize that, oh, yeah, it would make sense for this guy to jump to Louisiana from USF. Exactly. The next guy on the list, Joel Montanar, just got a better better deal. I mean, <laughs> there's really nothing to it. I mean, you Florida comes calling, you pick up the phone. It's, uh, you know, like head coaches and everything else that you, you can't pass that opportunity up and he'd be stupid, uh, to do so. And, uh, it's already apparent that Florida doesn't deserve them. So, uh, just some stupid ass tweets from, from, from Florida fans already about Jules, uh, you know, congratulating one, a, a colleague on the, on the team, for landing a recruit and just still getting crap about, Hey, if this isn't a group project, stick to your side of the ball. I always thought football was a ginormous group project. You know, if the running backs don't do their work, then you kind of get penalized for it. But Hey, Florida fans and their jorts know better than us. Oh, God. And then I think the guy who probably got the biggest raise uh, for leaving a college coaching job is uh, Joey King, who took the head coaching job at Carrollton in Georgia. Nick, you covered Carrollton uh, football high school uh, for a couple of years. I mean, it's 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 Texas football big. How? Yeah, they they have uh, they have they have money up there, man. They can uh, they can certainly afford to pay. I mean, I, I think I think it was what uh, I think it was like Bud Elliott or Stephen Godfrey or someone was talking about how um, like routine. Like, there's been this trend of like Florida high school coaches going up to going up to Georgia and. Uh, getting poached by like all of these schools because they actually like go out of their way to pay their high school coaches, like a lot of money. And apparently like, that's also, that also applies to like assistant coaches, but um, yeah, Joey, he's from like basically that entire area. He was an assistant coach at Carrollton for uh, I think a year or so before he goes up to um, Cartersville get some kid unknown kid named uh, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this kid, but 
has some success and basically moves up in the college ranks there. So he's basically going back home. So it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense for him. Okay. So we have a, a hole there. Uh, let's look at the additions. Um, two years ago, when Jeff Scott was hired, um, the dearly departed Seth Farnador dropped this name on us as someone to watch out for who could possibly be on staff. Well, he was, he was just a year early. Uh, Cam Aiken coming over from Clemson to be running back coach. Uh, he's a up and coming young coach. He's a Clemson lifer, rooted for Clemson growing up. His grandfather uh, either played there or went there, took him to games, uh, drove to like the Cotton Bowl in like the 60s or something whenever uh, Clemson was in it. Um, played walked on like everything he just Clemson blood it was a it's going to be a nice addition I think uh, Cam Aiken is going to be a huge difference uh for that running back room who uh we'll get to in a little bit just got a whole lot bigger and better so it's it's uh it could be fun times ahead for uh for Cam Aiken and and the rest of that running back room um George Barlow comes in as a corners coach from NC State which that's pretty I mean pretty good Pick up pretty good snipe from a, a P five school. Yeah, he Thoughts? um he he took the year off. Well, I don't want to say took the year off. Um, so he was let go after the twenty nineteen season. Um, from NC State, he um, it, I mean, it was basically the the head coach at NC State. I don't remember his name at this time, but um, just decided he wanted to just basically revamp his entire defensive staff. Um, so he basically got rid of him, the defensive coordinator, and I think like a defensive lineman coach. Um, and so last year, George, uh, had, had the year off, uh, obviously with COVID, you know, in particular happening, I, I don't blame him. Um, you know, I think joining, joining a football program last year was probably not going to be the smartest thing to do, but, um, yeah, so he, he comes in and he has a wealth of experience, um, in, in all levels of football, uh, obviously with NC state, obviously that's a pretty big power five, um, you know, ACC contender there, but also was a, uh, was the interim head coach for university of New Mexico, uh, was at James Madison when they won a national championship. Um, and my favorite part about it is he was a, uh, he was a defensive back when he was at, uh, at Marshall. So he knows the, you know, the, how to be a defensive back. Uh, unlike, you know, sometimes when you hire position coaches, who don't have much experience there. Um, you know, he was there, I think in 1987 at 1991 or something. So he's got plenty of experience and he should be a great experience addition to that defensive back group, which is basically going to be all new next year uh, with the additions that we have. I don't think there's one returning starter from, uh, from last year coming in besides Benton Davis, but um, should be an all new room and should, should have a bolt of talent there for him. Yeah. I think that was one of the the key things that Jeff Scott really uh, harped on and, and made sure it was to shore up that defensive backfield. And he did that with transfers and in, in some high school kids. So uh, there's going to be, plenty of talent there coming up uh, for George Barlow to, to make a difference. Um, and, you know, I mentioned that he's coaching corner. So who's coaching safeties, Clint Spencer, Clint Spencer, your defense coordinator will be coaching safeties. Um, so he takes over for West neighbors and that leaves a void at linebacker, which brings us to Florida state legend. Ernie Sims is your new linebacker coach. This kid, I think he, he went to, North Christian, North fit, something Christian NFC. I know, I know that's the initials. Uh, one of my buddies um, went there in high school and always talked about how just like the legendary Ernie Sims 
so huge pickup. Um, you know, he was already on staff as a, as a QC uh, and just elevate. He's going to, he's got, I think he played in the NFL for eight years um, for the, the Lions and a couple other teams. Good pickup. You know, it, I think the linebackers will really benefit from, from having Ernie as a, an on-field uh, coach and, and respond to someone who, you know, played the position at a very high level at the collegiate level. Yeah, it's. I think it's like huge to have, um, especially in that front seven to have two position coaches who played in the NFL, like have that NFL experience. Like you can definitely impart that knowledge. Like, hey, you want to get to the next level? Like we've we've been there. This is what it's gonna take. So. Also, I mean, obviously went to Florida State. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure how many uh, current recruits remember who Ernie Sims was, but that's still a name that rings out throughout the state of Florida. So that's big on the recruiting front. Exactly. And uh, Bob Bentley is the one of the final guys that kind of come in. Um, hasn't been announced yet. Steve, you're a little worried about it. Um, uh, yeah, just because announced yet. Yeah, um, just because his sorry, but he he kind of got floated as a name like I think like two weeks ago um, as someone who might be interested in coming on staff, and then we heard about George Barlow about a week later, and we announced George Barlow before we announced Bobby Bentley. So it's the weird timing of things, but um, yeah, I'm expecting Bobby to be announced probably next week. I'm imagining there's something having to do with contracts or, or something that's withholding it. Um, he was on the university of South Carolina staff last season. So there might be something having to do with the timings there and the contracts and when they're actually up. Um, but, uh, he's, he's another great addition to the staff. Um, he brings a wealth of like kind of George Barlow was brings a wealth of experience um, really heavily recruited the, the Carolinas as well. So he has a lot of experience recruiting north, south, and that kind of that North Georgia area. Um, his son, Jake Bentley, obviously was the quarterback for uh, for South Carolina during that Birmingham Bowl. And um, I also found a fun fact when I was uh, writing his little blurb uh, for the post that we have ready for whenever he gets announced. When Jeff Scott moved from Blythewood High School to Presbyterian College to coach wide receivers, Bobby Bentley was the head coach at Presbyterian. And then obviously some shuffling and some years happened and everything like that. And now Jeff Scott is bringing Bobby Bentley on to be his wide receivers coach. So, I mean, it's obviously like I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing, but I just thought it was really interesting. And he, he coached like wire, he coached uh, tight ends and running backs at, at South Carolina, but he, he knows how to coach wide receivers. He's, he's, he's been really in depth into, into that from basically uh, Presbyterian on up. So a great, another great uh, addition to the staff and, and should, should yield some good uh, recruits from that North Georgia, South Carolina area. But wait, Steve, there's already a wide receiver coach on staff. What's going to happen to Xavier Dye? Yeah. Uh, Xavier Dye got moved to a uh, tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator and recruiting coordinator. So look at that. So that kind of rounds out your staff until, uh, the chips fall out east and Jeff Levy becomes the head coach uh, over there at UCF. And then uh, Lane comes calling for Charlie Weiss. And then we start this whole process over. Don't you put that evil on us. Man, I don't know. I, it feels like it would have been announced already. I, I don't know. They're, I think they're closing in on an AD. Uh, so 
hopefully once that gets completed, uh, they'll they'll get kickstarting because I mean they're pretty well behind the eight ball right now. Well, we, I, we dodged the uh, Tony Elliott bullet bullet today. Yeah, yeah, we did. That would have uh, been Clemson, man. That would have been uh, something like both um, both <laughs> both Warren I four programs basically being like a like satellite programs for like that's <laughs> that would be insane. That would have been uh, just let you guys deal. know. I uh, I did apply for the UCF athletic director position. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the the search firm that they hired because search firms are really good, and because of the Florida statute laws, uh, they have to have the position like actually like open, like to like apply. Uh, so I did. Uh, so um, it closes tomorrow. Uh, I haven't heard uh, back. Uh, for an interview, uh, I'd, I'd assume I'd hear back when it closes. So, fingers crossed. UCF athletic director at Robert Steele life happens. I don't know what I'm going to do if I actually reach out for an interview. <laughs> like I'm hilarious. actually. Part of me was actually worried about that when I hit apply. I was like, what if they actually do reach out because they ask for like former employers and everything like that. And I'm like, how am I going to explain to my company that I am applying for an athletic director position? for a major Florida university as a joke, <laughs> but, uh, I went for it. So, yeah, so that, that closes on Friday, um, which is the fifth Super Bowl champion. BJ Daniels is back home, baby. He's home. He's home. He's quarterback home. analyst. And, you know, I think it's because they have like 14 quarterbacks on the roster. Charlie West Jr. is like, dude, I need someone. I need to, I need some help. I can't wrangle 15 guys. There's like 40 of them. Can you, can you name all of them off the top of your head right now? I'll I'll pull up the roster. See if I see if I can get it. Closing my iPad. So I'm not cheating on this one. I got this. All right, go. Jaron Williams. Okay. Brendan Sear, Sire, Kyer. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yep. Timmy McLean. Yep. Cade Fortin. Yep. Katravis Marsh. Yep. Rich Jacobs. Yep. And that should be it. Ah, you forgot Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith. Oh, I forgot Jordan Smith. <laughs> Damn it. He's <laughs> going to be a wide receiver. It's okay. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Who <laughs> freaking knows, man? Um, yeah, but I think that's it, man. It's so many. There's just so many of them. Like how how do you handle seven? Like who? How many reps is Brandon Sear and and Richie Jacobs gonna get? Like two? It's gonna be on air. It's like when people are getting water. It's like all right, water break, and they're like, all right, you go throw to air, real quick. Get this rep. Passing on air. Oh man. Hey man. Hey man. One of them. One of them has to work out. Like I I, I like that approach. Like all right, listen. Just get all the quarterbacks in. Just all. Just just every single quarterback. We can every single here. one. They're uh, they're currently in the mix for a uh, the the fifteenth dual ranked quarterback in the nation for next year for class of twenty two. His name's Caleb Johnson, out of uh, Pinson, Alabama. Uh, no shot at at all, but it, it's great to know that the coaching staff is still like, yeah, we're not satisfied, even though we brought in former Elite Eleven quarterback Jaron Williams and top dual threat quarterback Timmy McLean, and might as well bring in everyone while you can. Yeah. I, I I agree with this. Um, you know, just it just goes back to that year where it was just Blake Barnett and Jordan McLeod, and both of them were hurt, and he had to throw out Kurt Rigel 
you know, 100 mile an hour fastball and all, but only going into a season with two uh, scholarship quarterbacks is never an ideal scenario. So I'm glad that there's like 70 of them. So that's that's always good. Um, let's kind of kick off the second signing day recap. Steve, what jumped out at you on Wednesday um, with some of these key signings uh, in the, the second cycle? Um. I'm going to start this one off with something that surprised me uh, the most was that Kalan Powell didn't actually sign on a, a an early signing day. He was yeah, announced was by the that? school. And like all indications was that he signed, but he finally sent in his letter LOI like yesterday. Um, I, I, I guess it was something under the table that I don't know. Uh, I think they were waiting for someone to transfer out again and they, they got one with Jacquez Evans. Um, but yeah, he, he finally sent in his LOI. Uh, so that was my big surprise. I, I think that was the one that I was like, I had no idea that was coming. Um, I, I heard rumblings that uh, Jaron Mangum was, was going to be signing with uh, or transferring to USF uh, mostly because I followed him on Twitter and he followed me right back. Uh, that's usually a really good indication that a, a guy's interested when he follows a random uh, yep. recruiting guy for a SB nation blog. Um, we're verified now. So, then, I mean, it makes more sense. You're fishing. That's true. I need, I need my verification next. So that's the, that's the key. I, ju- I jumped into and you do. the Twitter verified DMS after they uh, verified. I was like, Hey, I mean, I run the place. Can I get, can you hook me up? Man, I somehow have not heard back. Can't get that. Uh, can't get the SB nation blog for USF get uh, hacked or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, and then, uh, and, and to me, the, the most important signing that we got was, uh, was Jordan Blackman's, uh, signature out of, uh, Ugali high school. Um, it, it, he is coming into kind of a, a very loaded talented secondary now. Um, but he was the signature that I was most looking forward to. He easily could go to a, a very good sec program, a really top 10, uh, big 12 program. Like he, he could have gone to a really big school, but. Uh, chose to come to USF. His status is a little bit up in the air. Um, we're hearing that he may be gray shirting, uh, which means he'll be coming in um, in December of this year or January of next year. Um, basically taking off this fall semester, probably going to a prep school. But um, I think there might be a chance that they're waiting for another transfer out to give him the last scholarship because he is one of the top rated kids in this class. And it seems very strange to not give a scholarship to one of your top signees. Um, so getting him in then was, was massively important, but uh, of course, I think the big signing was Jaron Mangum, um, former four star running back out of, uh, out of Detroit, Michigan, uh, went to Colorado, played extensively his freshman year, played really, really well. His, his carries and numbers lingered last year when they um, obviously Pac-12 had a little bit of scheduling issues and he kind of fell off the map there. But he brings a whole different style of football uh, to that running back room. He is six foot two, 220 pounds. I am pretty certain he is heavier than all the other running backs combined. I, I'm not good at math, <laughs> but it sounds right. Yeah, I think the only competition you would have there is uh, Leo Parker. He's basically like floating between like slot and running back and just wherever they can put him. Yeah. Leo and Leo is 5'11, 205. So he's got three inches and 15 pounds on this kid. So big back. We have a new thick king on our roster. We had, we didn't, I don't think we had one after Tyree left. No, 
Yeah, we're, yo, we're gonna have some big dudes on offense. Like all the all these big ass receivers they're bringing in, these tight ends, this running back, this bowling ball running back. It's uh, it's been pretty pretty crazy. Um, let me see if this works. Like I'm just looking. So sincere Brown, six five, right? Nick uh, Shivati, six four. Holden Willis and Gunnar Greenwald are both six four. Logan Berryhill, six four. Chris Carter and Mitch Brinkman are six four. Like they, like these are some big ass dudes, man. That clearly, the staff came in. And was like, why are you guys so tiny? I don't understand why everyone's so tiny around here. Let's get some big dudes, and that's that's exactly what Jeff's guy Xavier Die and and the crew went out and did the last couple of years. And uh, hopefully, we'll see see some improvement there. I uh, I, I had a thought about this actually. Was um was the Jeff Scott realized when uh, in that Temple game <laughs> when he he had no big backs and no big players to basically come in and and, and perform an actual you know two point conversion play. I am convinced that he was like, "Fuck it, we're going big," so that if we ever are needing a two point conversion, I'm throwing all of my big men out there and Jaron Mangum and just bullying the other team like. I am just I'm terrified for a goal line package under USF football is going to feature probably like an average of like 295 pounds here for, <laughs> for the here players. For I'm as, absolutely here for it. And, you know, bit of history. You know, USF has pretty good history with the uh, transfer running backs from Colorado. Darrell Scott, once upon a time, 2011 was, uh, you know, leaping over defenders and and leaving early for some unknown reason and uh you know maybe maybe Mangum stays you know a little more uh than than scott did because that that is what him and carolton mitchell are the two guys are like why are you leaving early like all guys who have left early at usf those two are just like you really you know, Carlton was super fast and he, he kind of made a name for himself. But after his junior year, I mean, if you stay for your senior year, you could you could have done some damage. And Darrell Scott, that was another questionable decision. Yeah, but also USF signed a another, again, big-ass wide receiver, Yusuf Terry from Baylor. Uh, he's a Philly kid, uh, followed Matt Rule to, to Baylor. Uh, he opted out the last three games of the 2020 season. Uh, prior to that, he had six catches for 69 yards. Um, nice, nice. It seems pretty, pretty dang fast, pretty big. It'll be a nice addition to the to the offense. <laughs> he out of high school, he had uh, 69 catches for 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. Nice. <laughs> This kid's right on the money. So uh, <laughs> there's a theme here. Uh, so that's. That's good. It's going to be another uh, big, lanky, fast receiver for for these quarterbacks to throw to instead of you know some of your plodding guys that uh, are you know, no longer here. So it'll it'll be a nice change uh, to see some speed out outside. 
Um, I said this. Um, I said this yesterday. It was, it's going to be nice to like flip the script on Temple because they've been able to consistently. It feels like they've been able to consistently come down here and take dudes like uh, Vintel, Brian, and kill us with Tampa mm-hmm. people. So it's going to be nice to get a Philly kid running right past Rod Carey's trash ass. Oh, God, this trash ass fucking gonna be so good. Oh God. Um, can I uh, can I talk about my favorite part about USF's uh, signing day yesterday? If it's not the kickers, then no. It has to do with the kickers. Okay. Um, it, it, it's it's nice to see that USF like gives a shit about the preferred walk-ons. Um, this is a very minor thing, and and uh, John Cannon and Will Fowler are two kickers. Uh, I think we finally got confirmation that both of them are are going to be preferred walk-ons. Um, but it's, I mean, it stems from coach Scott being a, a walk-on himself, but preferred walk-ons are, are really important to teams, uh, especially for scout offenses. Like you need a pretty decent scout offense and you need a pretty diverse group of characters there to, you know, run a, an effective scout offense or scout defense, uh, for your, you know, starters. So it was really nice for USF to, to give those guys, you know, recruiting graphics and giving them their moment in the spotlight, uh, rather than just being like, oh yeah, you know number uh 52 who you know never sees the field and he's a linebacker like actually give them their moment they're important they're they are part of the team you know they pay their way through college and everything like that and you know the hope is that one of them stems out to be really good like a bryce miller or a, or an andrew Mims, where they can get a scholarship but it, it was very nice to see that but yes the two kickers we signed yesterday are both absolutely just have cannons for a right leg so good stuff there by uh, coach DePrado. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, the kicking competition this uh, this spring and, and into the fall with you know Strader and you know, Jared Sackett still here, and then you add these two guys. There's again, much like the quarterback, one of these guys has to be good. Like you can't go oh for four. Like there, like statistically speaking, there's no way that you just whiff on all four. Same with the quarterback, you'll find someone, right? Um, so it's good to see, and you know. Second legacy on board, uh, Luai uh, Mitchell from uh, Orangewood Christian High School uh, up in Maitland, Florida. Uh, he is the son of former USF great and Super Bowl champion, Kawika Mitchell. Uh, he won uh, the Super Bowl uh, with the New York Giants in, I believe, 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he had eight tackles in that Super Bowl, as well as uh, I think I think he's the second Third former Bull to win a Super Bowl with the Giants, Kuika in 2008, JPP and Jaquin Williams in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. I think Jaquin Williams forced that fumble on the punt return uh, against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game to help kind of seal the deal. And then I that's think right, JPP, you did. I think JPP had a couple of sacks in that Super Bowl or did or in the playoffs. So. Uh, you know, the Giants have, have been good to uh, former Bulls and in, in getting titles. So good for them. I think Colin Colin was saying on Twitter uh, yesterday that he was at a house party with Quika Mitchell. That just means how old both of them are, unfortunately, for Quika, uh, that they uh, went to college together. So, I mean, good for them. Good for Luada to you know make a name for himself and then be be part of the the team. Uh, Jordan Smith is also the the other legacy and 
Uh, my apologies on Twitter for, for missing that. Um, I was looking up Quentin Smith. Uh, I didn't know he had a different last name because it's not uh, in the, the media guide. And then Quentin's name spelled wrong um, at least once in the media guide. So when I, you know, control find uh, Quentin, I was, didn't, nothing popped up. So I was like, oh, I guess not, but he's in there. Um, but that's one thing rolling. that's, uh, go ahead, Sig. No, I was going to say the presses are never wrong. I know that for certain. What I was saying, like, that's one thing that's going to be cool to see as this program continues to go along is that you're starting to, like, hit that bit, like, that uh, milestone where you're starting to get these, like, second-generation kids who can legitimately say, like, hey, my dad played at USF. I want to go here. Like, that was the case with um, Jordan Smith last year where, like, I think he had, like, a had, like some kind of big like usf um decal like wooden thing yeah yeah and so that's going to be huge for this program as you start uh getting like these legacies of former players and stuff yeah i think uh you've got dearness johnson jr coming in i think he i think he's like five at this point so you know a few more years um quentin flowers i think just has a daughter so you know, it could be a, a Sarah Fuller situation here where she come in and do something. You know, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in the year 2035. I, I was talking to Smith about that uh, the other night. Like Olivia is uh, about to turn four and she's going to be like the graduating class of 2035. And uh, I wanted to vomit. Like I'm going to be over. I'm going to be over 40 years old. I don't want to talk about it, guys, but it was rough. <laughs> It was a real sobering moment because it, I don't know it, about you guys, but um, this is a decent segue. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a very natural segue, but playing like Madden and playing NCAA football, you would always think like you play like NCAA 11 or something like that or, or eight and you're, you do the dynasty mode and you're in, you know, 20, 2020 and you're like, man, that is so far away. Like that's crazy. And then you're here and now it's like 2035. That's crazy. That's so far away. You're not, no, stop it. And it's going to be right around the corner. And uh, speaking of NCAA football guys, we got some huge news, huge news this week. The game is coming back. I'm so excited. Y'all know, I love the NCAA football games. I run the sticks. I break news while I run the sticks. It's just my passion. Uh, for this for this game is uh, just unbridled, um, and I'm so excited. It's going to be called NCAA, or no, it's not. It's going to be EA not, Sports, be, college, EA Sports football. college Football uh, to get away from the NCAA um, licensing. It's going to be in two to three years. Uh, they still got to figure out how to how to make the game. Um, it's going to be fun. I, I confirmed this week that USF has agreed to. Um, be part of the game. So they'll have the brand uniforms, everything as the group licensing with a CLC to get this game done. Uh, by the time the game's ready to go live, you know, name it, name, uh, image likeness, uh, stuff's going to be pretty well wrapped up either through state law, federal law, Congress, something's going to happen and they're going to be able to have uh, players names and, and likenesses in these games and get a cut was, you know, ideal scenario for sure. And if not, uh, I think Nick, you said this on, on Twitter, just wait a week and wait for the, the rosters to uh, 
you know, was it Operation Sports or something? Yeah, like that? Operation Sports, man. They, they're Clutch. they're the best. Like I, I remember, like I, I remember when the game was when the game used to be up and running. I would, I, I would hold myself back and like wait a week after the date because when I played, I wanted to immediately upload the rosters, and exactly. they would have everyone. Like everyone, I think like all the way down to like, say if a player, you know, has like a certain wristband or whatever, if a player has dreads, like they would have all of those details. And apparently like those dudes, like even after, um, even after like the game ended, they've still kept the servers going and they still um, updated the rosters. Like those, those dudes are amazing. Yeah. Love them. Uh, shout out Pasta Padre. He is the whoever that's the roster I have um, for NCAA 14. And it's very accurate. So very excited about that. Um, I, I got to fire that up and get, get some practice over the next couple of years. Uh, but, you know, Steve, you could be married in the next couple of years. You were poor oh, your wife, maybe uh, <laughs> she won't know what to do. She, she'd only, she would only know you pre NCAA football. So it's or post NCAA. She doesn't know when you have the. It's going to be tough times. Luckily, you know my wife got got the brunt of it for a while. So she she understands and knows what's uh, coming toward her. You know, pretty soon. So it'll be uh, interesting. Um, from a from a recruiting aspect, like you can legitimately tell these kids, like, hey, you're going to be in the video game at some point in your career. Like, that's gonna be you. You know, if I'm uh, part of the graphics team, I'm cooking up like all these graphics of uh, like photoshops with the kids on the cover right now because they, like I said, they're legitimately gonna be in the game by the time they graduate, and possibly getting paid from it too. Exactly, and that's that's that bread. something. Uh, you know, a lot of kids are, you know, it's extra income for, for these kids to you know, go do something on a Friday night, you know, and God bless them. I, the amount of hours I got out of playing that game, um, I think I owe that 2008 to 2014 USF roster, like a lot of money, just the amount of hours I got out of playing that game. Shout out Matt Grothy and uh, NCAA, I think it was 08, playing kid uh, one of my friends who was oklahoma macro to go 16 for 16 on i ran three plays the entire game 16 for 16 smoked oklahoma could not miss with them it was it was art so fun stuff ahead uh it can recruit it's gonna be such a huge thing for recruiting i think chris vanini of the athletic was discussing this uh on this week about the love of college football it at it, it, our generation started with this game. And when you take that game away, you know, you know, people love it, but there's not a, a groundswell of, Oh, let me play this video game too. And then, Oh, okay. Well, I picked this team, this, you know, Oregon getting super popular because of their Jersey combinations on NCAA. Let me go watch Oregon football. There's a, some correlation there and it's, it's going to be exciting to, to see, uh, you know, what teams become the, the new team, the new fad. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, going forward. Hopefully they have all the awesome jersey combinations from all the teams. Hopefully they have that awesome Florida one. You guys know what I'm talking about? The, like the, the, the gator skin one? Yeah, the gator skin one. That'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the stupid-ass Maryland one. Uh, some of the stupid USF ones. Uh, I'm just excited to 
do that. If it, if it looks anything like Madden though, I'm out. I will just strictly recruit. I've watched TikToks for like three months now. And some of these, the game mechanics where you can just like stop, stop your guy running and the guy just like runs by and then you can just go full speed again and run past them is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And I hate it. I'm so glad I stopped playing Madden a long time ago. Well, like it's, it's such bullshit. Like they, like EA has like exclusive NFL rights, man. Cause I mean, 2K has been on some bullshit like the last couple of years as well, but they, they'd make, they'd easily make a better game than Madden, man. Yep. Um, if, if there's good news, I can tell you guys the campus uh, of like EA that makes the Madden games is the UCF is, is near UCF. And the one that made the, the uh, NCAA football games was not near UCF. It was, uh, I believe theirs was in like California. And I think they're going back to that campus. So fingers crossed that uh, those dumb fucks in Orlando don't ruin it for all of us. Lord willing, Lord willing. That man, we got off the rails here. Let's uh, try to get back in off season workouts. I, I, we had a, we had to talk about the college football game, and it was such a natural segue. I was going to shoehorn it in at the end, but I mean that was such a perfect segue. Uh, I, I couldn't pass up that opportunity. Off season workouts have started. Matt drills have started. They've uh, posted some stuff where uh, I think all three of us would absolutely uh, collapse and die on some of these drills that they have been doing. Um, seeing somebody i think the i think it was like 32 degrees outside or 34 this morning and i saw uh, one number stuck out to me number 62 was wearing just shorts and shirt and the absolute mad lad i i couldn't have done it and and that kind of weather i was bundled up taking the dog out for a walk this morning so i, I don't know how you work out in that uh but excited they're you know back on the field thoughts uh, as we head into the you know the deeper part of all season workouts and, and head into spring. What, what do we want to see uh, from, uh, from this team so far? I'm just more curious as to when, um, when practice actually starts, you know, we should be, have we, we haven't gotten like any kind of a uh, schedule or anything. No, not so, yet. Yeah. Yeah. So just whenever, whenever they decide to like actual, or get the okay to start actual practices. And they'll probably, um, like they've done in the past couple of years, probably like limit, def- definitely limit media availability. So we'd probably not be able to see much anyway. But but it, it's just like going to be great for them to get an actual spring. Obviously, last year, they, only, they literally only got one practice in before everything started to go to hell with COVID and it showed when um, they kickstarted the fall and, and everything went off the rails quickly. So, so that'll be, that'll just be good for them. Just getting, just getting on the field and getting practices in, seeing what they have. Right. And I think the, this next question, it, uh, we'll address it after spring practice and then we'll address again after fall camp. Uh, going into spring practice with the the, the additions that USF has uh, had uh, on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, new quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. What is your expectation going into spring? If you, if, if you had to guess what their record would be, you play a full 12 game schedule, very tough, very, very tough 12 game schedule. But what, what pre spring, what's your record uh, guess right now, Steve? 
So I thought a lot about this because our, our Lord and Savior, Trey Dukes, said 12-0 and 0 after, after the UCF game. They said, Jeff Scott's got a plan. Trust his plan. They'll go 12-0. So my, my, my head is saying 12-0. and 0. And, and the memes in me is saying 12-0 because with the amount of roster turnover that they've had, it, it makes sense that they should be able to work this out. Obviously, you know, year one's got a, got a lot of cakes to work out. I'm going with a very modest five and seven estimation here. The, the schedule's really, really, really tough. Um, it, it, it's, it doesn't get tough or it doesn't get any easier when you go to conference play this year either. Unfortunately, you know, the years past, you could probably say like, uh, you know, it'll, it'll die off when you play ECU or Temple or something like that. But everyone basically improved uh, coming off of last year. So it's all about roster uh, development and, and, you know, finding that true number one quarterback and, and not playing this seesaw week in and week out. Um, I'm sure that is going to change if Jeff Scott announces a starting quarterback for the season after the spring game says like, yes. Jaron Williams is our go forward, you know, quarterback or Timmy McLean or Curtis Marshall, whoever it is, they're probably going to go 12 and 0 because that means he's really confident that he has a good quarterback in his system finally. So uh, right now, uh, February 4th, uh, they will probably be going about five and seven. Okay. Real quick, uh, Nick, before you answer, I just want to uh, refresh everyone for the schedule uh, this year. So they open at NC State. And then they welcome in Florida nine days later. Uh, and then they have Florida A&M, sh- should win. And then they go to BYU a week later. Uh, and then their home conference games are Cincinnati, Houston, Tulsa, and Temple. And the away games are Central Florida, SMU, Tulane, ECU. So they, they don't play Memphis and they don't play Navy this year, which – I am okay with. It's already a very tough schedule. I think Tulane, SMU, and Central Florida are still going to be really good on the road. If there's fans back, who knows what happens there. Uh, And then, I mean, Cincinnati, Houston, Tulsa, that's that's a sucky home conference schedule. Uh, You'll probably beat Temple because Temple's butt cheeks, and they should have won last year. So, Nick, February 4th. Pre spring practice, what is your record guess? Without knowing anything, um, just looking at the schedule, I'll say four and eight, just right around four and eight. One thing I, I like, even without seeing anything, I think this team will be very competitive against NC State to open. I think that will, that's going to be a game where, like, you know, we'll head into the season. Like, again, there's going to be a lot of question marks, you know. People aren't really going to think like it's going to be competitive because it's NC State, whatever, ACC program. And then that's going to kind of be your first sign like, oh, Jeff's kind of got something here. If they're able to go on the road and, you know, put a scare into NC State. But I just like I think, I mean, Florida A&M's like definite win at home. Um, No Zach Wilson against BYU. You know, he'll be off making millions in the in the NFL. So who knows what uh, BYU will look like. We beat them a couple of years ago when um, when uh, Wilson was hurt. So 
you could possibly steal that one. And then I'll just go ahead and say, like, we'll probably take two games in conference. I'm looking, like you said, I'm looking at Temple. Tulsa without Zayvon Collins. Uh, maybe. But, yeah, just early February 4th prediction, 4-8. and eight. Yeah, I, I agree. It You know, schedule kind of sets up okay, you know, early on. Uh, I think NC State's going to have a new quarterback. Florida's going to have to break in a new quarterback. And uh, as you mentioned, BYU's going to have a new quarterback as well. So that's interesting. You know, I, what Florida has Emory Jones, who's another West Georgia kid I covered. Um, Emory Jones and um, uh, God, uh, Eric Gilbert from, he transferred from LSU. The, Five star tight end, so, right? So you know, demolish Kyle Pitts with a five star tight end. It's, uh, you know, some people have all the luck, and uh, don't forget they have Demarcus Bowman too. Oh, oh fuck us! Yeah. So uh, Emory Jones isn't even going to be a factor. It doesn't matter who is quarterbacking for Florida; they're going to just hand the ball off to Demarcus Bowman. Uh, Demarcus Bowman is going to have a Dalvin Cook game. Yeah, that's going to be bad. You may be right. That's unfortunate. There was, I had a little small glimmer of hope for like 10 minutes when I was thinking about next year's schedule. I was like, I was like, oh, Florida without Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony and, you know, and uh, Kyle Pitts, like, you know, they might, they might not be as good. And then I was, I was very quickly reminded that they got DeMarcus Bowman, uh, who was basically one of the best running backs to come out of high school in the last, what, five, 10 years transfer from Clemson. He's really good. He's going to just eat our lunch. Yeah. Why did he, why did he leave Clemson? That was. So um, he was a very rare instance of a Lakeland high school kid, not going to Florida. He got, he got swooned over by the, the rings and the glitz and the glam from Clemson and everything like that. And I think he lasted uh, the off season workouts. And then like a, maybe a couple weeks in the summer, uh, and then he announced he was going to transfer back home to uh, to Florida, where if if you don't help, if you don't follow high school recruiting at all, Lakeland High School is a pipeline for the University of Florida. If you are good, you go. If you're good at Lakeland, you go to Florida. Like there's no doubt about it. Except for if you're a current five star defensive tackle. That is true. Unless, we forgot about that guy. But that is the but, only exception. Yeah. So it looks like NC State may be starting a true freshman quarterback. Uh, Aaron McLaughlin from Alpharetta, Georgia. He went to Denmark, Denmark High School, uh, four-star QB. I'm looking at their. I was looking at their roster, and boy, howdy, isn't it not great? I think their their quarterback last year was Bailey Hockman. I think that was his name. Yeah, the tra- he transferred from. Pretty sure it was Florida State. Was it Florida State? I think it was too. That sounds about right. Yeah, it was Florida State. But I did not see him on that roster, so I don't think he's there anymore. Maybe I missed him. Oh, he transferred to uh, Middle Tennessee State. What? Okay. Reuniting yeah. with uh, – oh, boy. Yeah, uh, NC State might be really bad next year. I didn't even think about that. Like I said, like, that's a perfect jumping off point for the staff. You know, you get yourself a quality Power 5 win and uh, keep building from there. Right. Uh, so, NC State, it looks like it's either going to be that, that true freshman quarterback or Devin Leary who – Split time with Talkman last year, through completed sixty percent of his passes, threw for eight touchdowns, two picks. Uh, seems 
to be a little bit more efficient with the ball. Um, so it could be between those two. Uh, but, I mean, the point still stands. Three-ish new quarterbacks um, that USF kind of starts the season off with. It's going to be interesting to see how, how things shake out. And, you know, going back to, uh, you know, pre pre spring, what, what I think the record is going to be, I think four and eight, honest to God is a very good season for this team because there's just been so much turnover. I think Bill Connolly's returning uh, production, I think USF's one one right now. And God, I mean, I, I mean, returning production is what it is in, and who really left. There's, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, hopefully the, this full spring helps and it'll make me feel a little bit better, but I think four and eight's a really, really good year. Um, I think your absolute stretch goal is six and six. Like if you somehow muster up six wins somewhere. So let's go beat NC state. All right. Shock them. Uh, you're going to get swallowed by Florida. Easy win against FAMU. At BYU, I'm going to say no. I, I'm going to say no. Yeah. You, you split the out-of-conference games. Home at Cincinnati, no shot. Nah. Home at Houston? Nah. Actually, I don't yeah. So you're two and four. Tulsa? Possibly. They they're bringing back a lot of guys on defense. I was I was reading. I think it was uh, Kelly Hines of the Tulsa Observers. I, the the only person who covers Tulsa athletics outside of the Golden Hurricast. Um, I think they were. She said that pretty much all of the seniors from last year are coming back, except for like Xavier Collins and I think one or two people. So they're going to have a very senior heavy defense, um, which can cut will help. Um, will help them. I don't think the quarterback's returning. If I'm not mistaken, Zach Smith, I don't think he's coming back. Um, so it could be up in the air with that. Uh, you're going to beat Temple. So that we're at three wins. And then you've got to beat three of these four people. You have to beat UCF, SMU, Tulane, and ECU on the road. You have to win three of those four games to get the six wins. If I give you, you can get two, you can get Tulane. I think you can get Tulane, especially with the new offensive coordinator with Will Hall gone. Right. I mean, uh, at this point, Fritz is Fritz has been around for a while, so there's like an institutional familiarity between like the players and um, players and like what he wants to do. Plus, they've recruited pretty well, but you can. Yeah, you can get Tulane. Okay. So if, if you split the home games, I'll, I'll give USF Tulsa. You just got to win two of the four between UCF, SMU, Tulane, and ECU. So you could beat Tulane and ECU and get to six wins. I, I think that's doable. Um, I, I still – I don't know why Hold Nailers gets the love and praise that he does – um, I, I, I said he was like an above average Brian Sheriffs a couple weeks ago. I just, I don't see it. Like he, he has like one or two games where like, oh my gosh, like he could be the guy that leads the program. And then he'll throw like four interceptions in the next game. And you're just like, all right, this is why, um, I, I, I don't, I don't love that for, for ECU. Um, and, and to be honest, I, 
they their recruiting classes have not been extraordinary. Uh, I think they might be replacing Holt Nailers. I think they got like a really good uh, like three star quarterback uh, last year, so they might be in the midst to replace him. But um, I also think uh, that we might see a little drop off from our friends in Oviedo, depending on who they uh, hire as their head coach. I uh, I don't love their recruiting classes the last two years. Um, they're ranked higher than us, but I don't love a lot of those guys that they picked up. They got like the number five linebacker in Arkansas, um, which whoop de do. That's great. But I, I think they might hit a little drop off this year and it all depends on who they hire. If they hire Levy, you know, cards back on the table, they might be really good next year, but I don't know what's taking so long there. Um, don't know what the hesitation is. I say with a smile, right. Um, <laughs> I keep saying they should that for a program that has done nothing but draw attention to themselves, which rightfully so, they should be recruiting at a Cincinnati type of level. They should be regularly pulling in four-star kids. And yet they're still like in the same neighborhood as us. I think in a couple of years, you're gonna re- not even in a couple of years, like pretty soon, you're gonna like see how they kind of squandered this opportunity. You build all these facilities and you're still kind of recruiting like the same uh at the same level you were before. Like I don't know, man. They only recruited like five kids from the state of Florida. That's never great. I don't care like how highly rated these other kids from other states are, that's it just can't happen. And it's going right. to catch up. And I will say this about, this will be probably the last thing I say about UCF for, for a little bit, but uh, the, the four-star athlete that they recruited out of Hawaii, um, his Titus, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, <laughs> so he's a four-star, four-star athlete uh, being recruited by like UCLA and Notre Dame and Oregon and everything like that. Almost every power five school that wanted him wanted him as a DB. Um, but he's choosing to come to UCF to play wide receiver. I watched his tape and I was reading a few things about him and I, he would not be a four star wide receiver. Um, if he was being recruited as a wide receiver, uh, he'd probably be like a, like a mid to high three star. So, you know, four star with an asterisk. He's, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's fast. He's definitely got the, the tangibles. Uh, that you look for in a receiver, but I, I think a lot of, I saw a lot of people like throwing like, Oh my God, I can't believe UCF got a four-star receiver without a head coach. It's like, it's it, the guy played with Dylan Gabriel. Like, of course he's going go to go to UCF. He's got the familiarity there already. Like you forget that they recruit Hawaii for no reason, but like there's a reason why he went there. There's no recruiting. Like there's no Whataburger bags being passed back and forth or anything like that. Like he, there's a reason he's going to UCF. Right. All right. Let's let's move on. We've got one thing that's kind of come out this week. They've updated the roster numbers. We're gonna go through them real quick. Uh, and there's gonna be there was someone asked me uh, to make sure we t- discuss this on, on the pod. So number zero, Daquan Evans. Number one, safety Matthew Hill for the Auburn transfer. Uh, also, number one, Jaron Williams from uh, Miami. Darren Felix and TJ Robinson are number two now. Um, TJ was actually like number 18 when I looked at this uh, a couple days ago. So 
that's a that's a update right there. Uh, Vincent Davis and Kelly Joyner are both number three. Kelly moving from ten to three. Uh, I think he downgraded number, but that's just uh, my that's my Sean King showing. Um, Amario Dallison and Christian Williams. Uh, Christian Williams, the defensive back from Miami, uh, both number four. Antonio Greer, number five. Uh, Tamaris Bellamy and Cage Fortin are number six. Sincere Brown and uh, Will Jones, the DB from Kansas State, are number seven. Uh, Chris Townsend and Latrell Williams are number eight. Devon Hicks, number nine. And Kevin Kegler and Xavier Weaver, uh, number 10. Weaver uh, was number 84 last year, so that's a departure. Uh, but there's there's one guy I did not mention, uh, Timmy McLean, taking over the number nine hole. Two freshmen taking over number nine here. Um, it see it appeared like they were going to be giving number nine to you know special standout player KJ Sales. Um, it's interesting that now number nine is being occupied by two freshmen. Uh, one being, you know, a very standout quarterback that we're all very high on. We're, you know, very much in the McLean hive. Um, and he's going to be our lefty God in the future. It's just very interesting. Uh, I want to get your take, your opinion on giving out number nine to a couple of freshmen instead of maybe a more established uh, senior senior level player you're reading into it, it just shows what they think these kids can do. You know, obviously with us, you know, the number nine, that it it means a lot to this pro means a lot to this program. So again, if you're bestowing it on this, um, on these true freshmen, then you're basically subliminally signaling that, Hey, these are the guys. These are the guys. Exactly. I agree. To me, it feels a lot like, um, is it number 18 at LSU? I think the basically like the leadership number that they give, um, you know, it's, it says a lot to, to give two true, to give that amount of freshmen and newcomers, those single digit numbers, it doesn't carry that much weight at USF as it does to a program, say temple. Um, But I I think in two or three years, we're going to hear like, you know, Timmy McLean and Devon Hicks is like the two, the two big leaders of the program. Uh, Devon Hicks was one of those guys I was very, very excited about keeping and, and staying hold on for basically his entire recruiting cycle um, back in February. And uh, both of them are, are doing a really good job of, uh, you know, still being active and recruiting on Twitter as we kind of uh, have seen recently. Uh, Timmy did a really good job of getting his receiver, Jimmy Horn, to uh, come to USF. Jimmy was getting wooed and swooed by some big programs and some big names of Deion Sanders and, and Georgia and, and Tennessee and Ole Miss chose to come to USF to play with his quarterback. Devon Hicks is currently in the ear of a uh, five-star safety Kamari Wilson from IMG Academy, who is, in, in, I would say, in very soft but serious consideration to come to USF. So, you know, I think these are guys that you're going to hear from in about two or three years is like, Jeff Scott's going to say in a press conference, oh, I, you know, when I go back into my recruiting classes, like it was guys like Timmy and Devon that that helped turn the program around and, and help bolster the, the the boosters and everything like that. Um, very excited to see those two guys get those numbers. Nick, any uh, any additional thoughts uh, to, to that situation? 
No, Stig uh, basically uh, covered it. And like like you um, said, I, I like how these um, kids are still, like you said, still out here in these Twitter streets, like trying to try to sway their sway their comrades to now come here. You know, it, it's it's so crazy, like how we we're basically in the running at the very least in consideration for two, not one, but two five star defensive uh, defensive linemen. That's. It's huge. Agreed. Um, I think that's it for football right now. We've got a bunch of spring sports that we need to cover real quick on on the hurry. Um, first and foremost, men's and women's basketball have been postponed since January 9th for uh, men's basketball. They beat ECU 69 to 63. And nice. that's the last they've played. They've had one, two, three, four, five, six seven games postponed in between that time. Uh, they're scheduled to face Houston uh, in Tampa, February 10th at 7 p.m. We'll see. I mean, I am not holding my breath. I mean, it's just kind of run through the, the Muma Center. It's, I'll be honest, it seems like it kind of stemmed from that ECU game. Working theory here because ECU's uh, had some issues as well of their own but it seems like it came from that ECU trip. And that's why you never go to Greenville because Greenville is disgusting and gross and ugly and uh, the worst kind of people uh, on the planet. So, yeah. And uh, women's team is still uh, ranked number 16. They've just been holding that position down even as they've been out for the past couple of weeks. I just hope, like, it doesn't really um, – well, obviously, first and foremost, like you hope like everyone within that program is uh, will be healthy and doing well whenever they get back. But um, just as far as on like as far as their encore performance, I just hope like it doesn't like seriously hinder like what they were starting to put together. Right. It's they haven't played since January 13th at Tulane where they won 72 to 53. They've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games either canceled or postponed. They're scheduled to face uh, Tulsa February 13th at 4 p.m. Who knows? Uh, you know, selfishly, luckily, that UCF game was canceled uh, on Sunday because I would have been just an absolute wreck uh, if Trash Zone had done something stupid and that I would have just been in a bad mood going into the Super Bowl. Uh, glad that game uh, was postponed. We'll see what happens. Uh, they're they're going to kind of run it back um, March 2nd and March 4th as a home-and-home home series. So March 2nd, uh, Tuesday, uh, home for UCF, and then on the 4th at UCF, which uh, those two games could very well likely uh, determine who wins the conference uh, before the conference tournament starts on the 8th uh, down in, in Texas. It, man, this – this team's so good. I feel bad. I feel bad for both teams that they've had to kind of deal with this. Um, I think we may have been a little, little harsh uh, about, you know, asking what the hell's going on, but I think it's a fair question to ask when we asked that of uh, our conference mates, we, we were wondering what the hell was going on at Houston. Um, I think Houston initially, you know, pre football season, they didn't handle things well. And it seemed to permeate throughout the entire athletic department in the university. And you know, Kelvin Sampson comes out and says, yeah, our entire team had uh, COVID and so did I. You're in my son. And it's just a question. And then the, the women's team got hit hard. And and now the, the you know, USF's dealing with it. 
hopefully we can get back on the court here soon. I mean, who knows at this point? Moving on, baseball, softball starts. Baseball starts in five days, 14 days. Uh, they open at FGCU. A lot of you're going to see a lot of uh, four game series, a lot of double headers on Saturday to kind of get everything uh, set up and then hopefully get through um, some key dates here. February 19th, uh, they welcome in Florida Gulf Coast and then they go down to Fort Myers for a Saturday game and then they're back up Sunday for a game versus Florida Gulf Coast. I, d- I don't make the schedule, but you bet. Sounds good. FAMU, Stetson, uh, road game at Florida State, FAU. And then for some reason, I, I guess they were super desperate for games, but March 26th, 27th, and 28th, they're playing a middle school in Texas. Never heard of them. thought that was interesting. I guess just prepping for Stetson that following Tuesday. Uh, the Warren I-4 are uh, two four-game series starting April 1st uh, and through the third is at home. And then on the road, April 16th to the 18th, uh, former USF uh, baseball coach, Chris Cates is now part of the Knights uh, staff annoyed, but good for him uh, after some of the crap that he had to deal with the last few years. I'll be honest. Uh, They wrap up the season with a four game uh, tilt versus uh, those nasty fucks from ECU. So it's good to wrap up the year. Hopefully just, just fuck their shit up. I'm fake ass tough guy. Cliff Godwin can mm, shouldn't say that, but that's one of my favorite bits. Just uh, <laughs> <George> <laughs> <Norton>. <laughs> oh my god. god, he's such a he's such a dickhead. Oh god, I can't stand him. But yeah, they wrap it up and then uh, conference uh, tournament uh, in the House of Horrors at Spectrum Field uh, the 25th through the 20 uh, uh, through the 30th. So fun fun times ahead. For softball, softball's got a really fun schedule, of course. They welcome in number six, number seven, Florida, to start the year uh, for a three-game series. And then uh, JU, they face uh, FAU, they face Arizona, and then they play Team USA for a three-game series uh, in mid-March, which, you know, it'll be fun. You know, Coach Ken get some practice for the, the Olympics if they ever happen. I'm sure the head of the Olympic committee probably would not want to talk to any of the, the women softball players because apparently women talk too much in meetings uh, for, for the Tokyo chair of the Olympic committee. So that's neat from him. Just stand up job. Uh, just have the Olympics in like normal places, like with the infrastructure that, you know, respect women enough. I, like why did Cutter get a world cup? Like that makes no sense to me, but that's, I guess that's for a different day. North Dakota comes down out of the cold uh, play conference play starts uh, March 26th. Uh, they go up to Florida for a, a one-off uh, midweek game. And then they wrap up the season with a four game series against central Florida. And apparently there is no dates for the conference championship games. Maybe there's not. I don't think, year. I don't think they're going to do one this year. I think they're going to just whoever the regular um, season. Yeah. Fair, 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 fair. Let's see. What else? What else did I write down? Volleyball started still bad. Took 54 weeks to get game one in uh, due to COVID. Blew a two nothing uh, set lead to UNF uh, game 
or excuse me, against uh, Florida Gulf Coast and then uh, got swept the next day. They're sitting at two and two. Uh, they welcome in Temple February 12th and 13th. Warren I-4 is uh, late March. It's going to be bad for a while. Volleyball's not good. It happens. It, hey, they're new coach. You got to start somewhere, man. Exactly. Exactly. But blowing a 2-0 lead against Florida Gulf Coast was not great. And they had a chance to win it a couple of times and, and blew it late. So that was never fun. Men's and women's tennis, up and downish start for men. I mean, they beat they beat Auburn and then they beat Clemson, right? So they, and then just get run through, just absolutely run through by Central Florida. That was not fun last weekend. Who knows? That's that's not great. It's really not. I, and uh, it, it, like the men's tennis team has been it's been more than a dynasty. It's been like a, a powerhouse program for us in the conference. I think we won like six of the seven conference championships. Um, and we've only dropped, like we've only lost like three games total. Yeah. Uh, and they were to, like, they were to Tulsa. Yeah. I, who's also Tulsa? really good. Tulsa I think, I, yeah, I they, one of them. Uh, they had a bad season a couple of years ago and still made it to the conference finals. And I think, Took, I think it was either Tulsa or Tulane to, to the very end to to knock them out. Like it's, it's not, it's a, it's more of a blip, but it's just an annoying one, I guess, would be the uh, way to put it at this point. Uh, women's yeah. tennis, not great so far, not great. Own three, uh, they've won three mm-hmm. points. Really uh, tough start to the year, though. Yeah, at, I will give them at Florida State, at Alabama, at Auburn, um, they had uh, the UNF. Uh, Game uh, this Saturday was postponed due to weather. Uh, they'll face Stetson on the road uh, on Sunday, and then they welcome in Florida on February 11th. Um, so, I mean, they'll figure it out. Again, another spring of rings kind of type dynasty. They've got a couple, couple of conference titles, nothing to be too worried about. Soccer, men's soccer, um, lost a couple folks. Lost a couple folks, and it showed in that exhibition against FIU if we're being frank here. Uh, so it looks like they're only playing a conference uh, schedule this year due to COVID. Uh, they've lost two guys, JV Brown and uh, Adrian Billhart to the pros. Uh, Avion Flanagan still going to play. It looks like uh, he's still on the roster online roster. Currently uh, they open the season on Saturday versus temple at Corbett should still be pretty decent. Steve, you mentioned that they've got um, some, good freshman coming in that should kind of help down the line and, and get some experience uh, from this, from this team. Yeah. They'll um, this, this spring season, and I'm putting that in air quotes. Cause I mean, I, I don't really count any of our spring sports this year because it's just been such a round hole into a square peg kind of situation, but especially with men's soccer and women's soccer, they signed really, both of them signed really good young guy or young young people to the squads uh but they're just they haven't practiced really so it's like there's only so much that bob and denise can do to rile up these people and it really kind of showed uh women's soccer is still going to be pretty decent this year just because i mean that's that's a star-studded you know roster top to bottom men's soccer i'd i'd say by next by this upcoming fall they will probably be a lot better but for some of these guys this might be you know the first time that they're playing with their teammates and they're playing against temple at the same time. 
Exactly. It's a free pass. I mean, you're playing, a, you're just playing conference games. Who, who knows what you're actually going to be. I think the fall will be a, a better test, especially, you know, you would have had JV and Brown and Adrian Billhart for, for the season last year, if there was no COVID, right. Because of the drafts happening in the spring, you're, you're done with your season already. So hopefully, you know, there's some normalcy here. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how Sydney and Asalo does without Evelyn taking, taking some pressure away. It's going to be fun to see her be that leader up front for the women's team. I'm excited for her. I mean, she's still just an absolute rock star just on her own. And God, this team is so good. I'm so excited to see how they, how they fare uh, this year. One thing to kind of keep an eye out in the future, uh, UF's head coach is retiring at the end of the year. Just, just bear that in mind. Denise is a very highly respected coach uh, in women's soccer. It wouldn't shock me in the least if if UF uh, picked her off. Uh, she's been here for a long time, though. But again, it's, it's UF. UF is a women's soccer powerhouse. If you can get Abby Wambach to come back and just say hi to your team, that there's there's some there's some weight to it. Men's and women's golf, pretty up and down. Uh, men's golf, uh, I think I think they're. They're qualifying for the Gator uh, Invitational this weekend. I think they they kind of did their first first and second rounds today as a team to qualify to see who's going to the invitation, which is a pretty neat thing that they're doing now. They're they're actually sharing those results. They came in seventh in the Timmy Quana Collegiate Tournament uh, up in Jacksonville. They finished seventh of eleven. Pretty- Hold on, how did you pronounce that? Man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're from Jacksonville. Tell me how to pronounce it. It's it's Timaquana. Timaquana. What did I say? I don't know. Timaquana. Same thing. <laughs> Four to one it uh, with a 21 under. USF was uh, dead last going into the final final day and uh, kind of turned it around there. Uh, finished uh, nine under. And then some school out east was the only school to finish over par. So that's not great for them. Sucks for you. Sucks to suck, bro. Uh, they finished three over, so a decent start for the men. Uh, Alvin Bergstrom is still a freaking stud. I think he, I think he led the the team. Uh, let me double check that. Yeah, he I think led. he finished third. Yeah, I think he did finish third in uh, the individual. Uh, just absolute stud. He's a Swedish god, so it's it's nice to see that he's still kind of crushing. Kyle Flexar as a senior is uh, doing pretty well. Steady hand, and then they just kind of figure out you know the other three guys so it'll, it'll be fun uh fun for uh steve bradley and and coach caldwell women's golf have they i don't know if they've started they may have they haven't started yeah they start they, start, they start they start on monday next monday yeah uh the fau paradise invitational small improvements that's that's all we need again much like volleyball just small improvements from from this team and they, they've they showed that last year that there's there's some talent here they got Shelby uh, Brackmuller from Marshall, and she was very good at Marshall, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Erica Smith, the freshman uh, from Lake Nona, is actually pretty good. The Myanmar um, Fenway King, uh, if, uh, sorry if I mispronounced your name, uh, she's actually pretty good. I think she's on the national team. So some some good options here. Shelby was, uh, I think she was pretty much a stud at Marshall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she was a 
2019 uh, all-conference USA second team member. She's from Auburndale, so a nice little homecoming. And I think that's it, guys. I think we've got – dude, this spring season is going to kill us. Oh, I'm not excited. All right. Uh, I think that's it. I've talked everyone's ears off. Stay safe. Wear mask. And go Bucks. I'm, I'm, I'm ending it this week. Just go Bucks. We're going to be going through it this this Sunday. Go Bucks, baby. Let's let's do something. I'm going to watch sports on Sunday. It's going to be good. I'm going to enjoy it one way or another. I'm sure you are. <laughs> the Jags on my the Super Bowl. Yet. My my Super Bowl is uh, what is it? May May third is when the draft is. Who knows? That's my Super Bowl. You guys have the first pick. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Trevor. Devontae Devonte Smith. Smith. <laughs> yeah, who's the top left tackle on the board? Penai Sewell. Hey, that's that's who it's gonna be. He's, he's big boy. Yeah. All right. Appreciate y'all hopping on. This has been the Bluminati podcast of the Daily Stampedes Bluminati podcast. Uh, Twitter verified Daily Stampedes Bluminati podcast. Again, verified on Twitter. The only USF outlet that is verified on Twitter. No big deal. But I mean, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> big deal. Go Bucks. Go Bucks and Go Bulls. Go Bulls.